Have no, you ever but like, had, think have about you it. Ever it's had the same a, food a White Castle cheese stick food, that was in your stomach and in your hand at the it. same time. You guys were both talking at the same time. I, but I what know. I said was horrifying. <laughs> I was trying what? to listen to both of you at the same time, and I ended up listening to nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I said had... was... our exit and we've looped back around and now we found our location yeah and that can mean only one thing and that is of course you made it pull up a chair this is the tv boys this is the show where we the boys if you hadn't guessed yet maybe you didn't hear those previous words but we talk about tv that's what we do here. Each week we pick someone, something that we love about television, and we take a deep dive and tell you all about it. Before we get into that, you should know who we are. I'm Izzy. Who else we got here? I am Thomas. And I'm Johnny. Glad to be here. Good to be back. Glad to be back in the booth. I literally look forward to this recording all week every week but i like it even more this week because of our topic who are we talking about this week i can't wait to tell you it's seth mcfarlane tv it, hall of famer creator of everything funny when you were 15 i uh i almost uh i just i feel like i almost uh can't believe we've never talked about him before yeah so this is a this episode is a long time coming so we recorded this we recorded a seth mcfarland episode um back in the early days more than a year more than a year ago at this point i think there were a big part of the reason you never heard that one is is maybe because there were like crying children in the background. No, throughout. actually, the reason you didn't hear that one is because I uh, I routed things wrong, mm. and you were talking into a mic that, for all intents and purposes, was not plugged in. So you were just being bro- you were just getting caught on Color me and Thomas's em- embarrassed. Mics. Yeah, so. That's the reason you didn't hear that, uh, the first recording of this episode. And then, like, a couple weeks later, I was like, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. I messed that up with my routing and my ins and outs. Let's do it again. And, and Thomas we reco- and I were like, we know what that means, but we forgive you. <laughs> of course. Neither of those things were true. We recorded it again, but we recorded it right after we recorded it the first time, and... Uh, we sounded bored talking just because we had like already said all these things and we were kind of just going through the motions and I scrapped that one too. I made the executive decision to just say, no, we're not going to do this at all. Uh, so yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it for the third time. We're going to do it right. And we're going to have some fun. Seth MacFarlane is a treasure. Let's do it. I feel like, I feel like I will. I want a better reason for the second one, not airing than just like, I wasn't professional. 
Uh, I mean, I can send you the recording if you want to listen to it and judge for yourself. You uh, are you more than welcome called to. my bluff. <laughs> yeah. No, that is the problem. You know, we were deflated because the first one didn't work and we just tried to get back to it too soon. Yeah. I needed to give it more time to let the wound of a fun time be misrecorded. I mean, try um, having an identical hour-long conversation that you had two weeks ago with your closest friends, and you're all going to at one point look at each I, other and think, what are we doing see, right now? See, I feel like what I'm getting at is is don't try to do that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that would be better advice. Don't try to do it, because it's not going to work. Yeah. So that's why the city of Cleveland is always so bummed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, what? The Browns always lose. Oh, okay. I still don't get your joke. Thomas, they're you always know, having the same hour-long conversation with their friends about the Browns losing and why they lost. Oh, okay. So, like, sports commentators for Cleveland and See, the Browns I, have so the same conversation. I'm saying, oh, so I did get it. Oh, okay. So I, yeah. I, I, I did Sorry. get it. I no, the, the Browns, the Browns are historically bad. Bad joke. Sorry. I feel yeah, like. I thought you were going to say something about friends. LeBron James because I feel like LeBron James is Cleveland, Ohio. I I am so glad to be talking about Seth MacFarlane again, but for you listener the first time we've talked about him honestly that's not true we've talked about his shows before but i'm glad to be doing an episode about him we know everybody knows who he is but at the same time that's never true is it so what does anybody have his imdb top four seth mcfarland's imdb top four are family guy american dad are they the same show if you talk to israel they're not uh, they, you know they're not at all. You're talking to Ted, Johnny too. We'll get into it. Okay. A million ways to die in the West. Everyone's heard of at least one of those things, if not all of them. You're familiar with them. Of we'll course. talk more about them. Uh, before we get to the work, do we want to talk some more about the man? So I just want to give you a little glimpse into some of his early life. Um, I feel like he was a child prodigy at anim at funny animation which 100%. is such a strange thing cuz you know we've all seen child prodigies yeah. play the piano or the guitar right. Right. it's so impressive but uh I, I there's some really cool stories here so i'm going to go through it real quick um during his childhood seth mcfarland developed an interest in illustration and began drawing cartoon characters such as fred flintstone and woody the woodpecker as early as age two by the age of five mcfarland knew that he wanted to pursue a career in animation and began creating flip books four years later at age nine he began publishing a weekly comic strip uh Walter Crouton was the name of the comic strip for a local newspaper. <laughs> I really like that name. Yeah, it's, it's Walter goofy. Crouton. Uh, in, the, uh, in the town he grew up in, I believe it was uh, Kent, Massachusetts. Uh, it paid him $5 a week. McFarland said in a 2011 interview that as a child, he was always weirdly fascinated by the communion ceremony being brought up in like a, a Catholic household. 
He created a comic strip character kneeling in front of the altar, taking communion uh, as a nine-year-old. And like the caption was, can I have fries with that? The paper printed it and he got a quote unquote angry letter from a local priest. uh, And it led to a sort of mini controversy in his town. So the creator of Family Guy, who is no stranger to controversy at all with like what he's done with family yeah. guy he was doing that when he was nine years he old he was getting in <laughs> trouble with the press for his for his comedic art at nine i absolutely love that story i mean yeah. honestly seth mcfarlane is one of my heroes like do, I, we've done so much research into who he is as a person and how he got to where he is and uh we're gonna talk more about that but just his comedy was so integral to like my upbringing because family guy was like the show to watch that everybody talked about, you know, have you seen the new episode of family guy? And then you quote it to each other. That was when I was like 14, 15 years old. Same thing with you guys. Like, yeah, I just, I I just absolutely love that. He was pushing the boundaries of comedy as a nine year old. That's, that's so, that's so cool. So something Super interesting to me. I feel like we have talked about this before personally, but I've got to talk about it on air that Seth MacFarlane for his senior year thesis in college made a cartoon called the life of Larry, which ultimately was the inspiration for what would become family guy. And his, You know, he, of course, passed, graduated, got a degree, but his professor submitted the cartoon, The Life of Larry, to Hanna-Barbera. That got them on their radar. That got him on their radar, and he was ultimately hired by them. He worked on multiple television shows. I feel like most notably Dexter's Laboratory, Cow and Chicken, Johnny Bravo, all classics. I know Seth MacFarlane has said he personally felt like working on Johnny Bravo was best for him. Just the way the the screenwriting and script writing worked on that show helped him grow. And I think that's really cool. Those are classic shows. Yeah. Classic, funny cartoons. And I honestly didn't realize Seth MacFarlane had worked on those until I looked into him to yeah, talk for about sure. it on the podcast. And, like, I have such a special place in my heart personally for Dexter's Laboratory. Because as a kid, I remember that being, like, one show besides SpongeBob SquarePants that I could watch with my parents as, like, a 10-year-old, 10, mm. 11 years old. Mm. And I would laugh and they would laugh right. too. And it was, like... Just, you know, a bridge between age gaps where it's just it's silly enough to be a, a funny to a 10 year old, but also like witty enough to be funny to, you know, your 40 year old parents. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, I just have special memories of watching that show. And I think it's so, so cool that Seth MacFarlane made that or at least helped uh, both write and yeah. uh, animate that. And like. Absolutely. Dude, he's, I, he's just so good at what he does. I, I love that memory. I love that idea. Cause, uh, cause you know, you compared it to SpongeBob and that is honestly, I think a big part of why I like SpongeBob is that as a 10 year old, 
it was, you know, I was allowed to pick a show and watch that with my parents. Yeah. And they were also like, to this day, my my mother and father will both say like, oh, I thought you meant Weast. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Those inside jokes <laughs> you know that I come mean? with SpongeBob. I, uh, if you guys follow the podcast, you'll know that I am Thomas, the somber, serious podcaster. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take us on a, on a little he detour knows about down, taxes. down. <laughs> I do know about I, a lot about <laughs> taxes. Um, I can put you to sleep talking about taxes, but I do want to take us down a slightly more somber, also kind of ex- not kind of very interesting uh, little tidbit about uh, McFarlane here. Uh, in an interview with Rove McManus, he said, I was booked on the first flight that hit the tower and I was drinking the night before, overslept a little bit in conjunction with the fact that my travel agent screwed up the itinerary by about 15 minutes. So I arrived 10 minutes late to get on the plane. Went into the lounge, fell asleep, woke up 45 minutes later to a commotion, and the first plane had hit. And sat there and watched the second plane hit, and they announced what flight it was. And I turned to the guy next to me and said, my God, that was the flight I was supposed to be on. I was late. I missed it. Yeah. That's, and of course, that's in reference to 9-11. Yes. He was that's supposed crazy. to be. Yeah. No, that is so crazy just to know that seth mcfarlane was booked on a flight from california to new york and it was of the one of the planes that hit the world trade center the fact that we were 10 minutes away from not having family guy american dad ted a million ways to die in the west like uh, some of the jokes of the hanna-barbera things we've talked about like just the fact that all of these things might have not existed or might have not existed in the form that they do today because this person just would have not existed really i feel like it's for me just seth mcfarlane and elijah wood where I will go out of my way personally to watch anything they have done, produced, had a hand in, just because I'm such a fan of them personally and either their sense of humor or their specific taste in what they act in, that being Seth MacFarlane and Elijah Wood. But, like, those are the people where if their name is on a credit in IMDb, I'm going to think, oh, I, I should probably check that out. Well, I feel like that's why we're uh, that's why we're talking about him. He's just that good. He, I don't know if we've said it yet on this episode. This is our second Hall of Famer. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane yeah. is in the Television Hall of Fame as of 2020. It took that long for him to be in the Television Hall of Fame. I think that a lot of people who are in it are like posthumously in de- like I like don't- I get that, but. <laughs> like we said, Seth MacFarlane was literally a child hey, prodigy. He I was get, no, uh, you're 100 percent right. He's got records but, on the but books. But I do want to be clear. About. We talked about the TV Hall of Fame. That's also not like a yearly thing. They don't do it every year. Okay. So, it's like I think once they have like five candidates, then they do a round of inductees. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think Seth MacFarlane should decide who is in the in the Hall, TV Hall <laughs> right? of Fame. That's I mean, how good I think he's, he is. He's one of the only like mul- multiple time roast masters, right? On Comedy Central's roasts, like they usually like they get different celebrities to be the roast master. But I'm pretty sure it's always like a one and done. And they had Seth MacFarlane on there like what two or three times? Three times, I believe, and. Not one of the only, from what I have read today, the only person who has hosted more than once. Not only more than once, but three times. Yeah, because he because he did uh, Hasselhoff. Yep. And then also Trump and Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Yeah. And he's I, really, like, I feel like the best guy I, you could get for that. I knew it was, like, a one-and-done thing, but I honestly, like, if you had me guess, I would have thought, like, maybe someone else did, too. I didn't yeah. realize. I mean, there's the plenty only, yeah. There's plenty of people who come back year after year and roast different as, people. Yeah. But not, but at, like, not, not the person as roast hosting master. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like one of the, you know, we, we touched on earlier, Seth MacFarlane. He started making cartoons at an early age, even going in to college and coming out of college. His, his thesis with that Life of Larry that was sent to Hanna-Barbera and that that got him work on. Did we talk about the Hanna-Barbera? Yeah, shows? yeah. We did talk about the Hanna-Barbera. We, we mentioned it. So that, like, so that got him work at Hanna-Barbera, but... That also was an inspiration for what would become Family Guy, and which of course is is probably our first major thing to talk about. Of course, for Seth MacFarlane, and so he had already already pitched the show to Fox, I think once, but after the success of King of the Hill in 1997, MacFarlane called. Uh, Collins again, um, blanking on his first name, but he it was instrumental in creating the show, and to 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 get like a second pitch for the series after King of the Hill had you know taken off, so Fox ended up offering McFarlane kind of a strange deal. They gave him a budget of fifty thousand dollars to produce a pilot that could lead to a series, which at the time. Most episodes of an animated primetime show that Fox was making was budgeted $1 million. Oh, geez. So Extremely Mc, reduced budget. Uh, McFarlane said in an interview with the New York Times that he spent like six months with no sleep, no life, just drawing like crazy in his kitchen trying to get this pilot done. And he ended up coming to Fox with a, like a very, very simply crudely animated film, just enough to get the tone of the show across and uh, presented that to the executives at Fox. And they ordered a series immediately. And this was, this was in 98, which you know, the show would go on to come out in 99. I always forget that it started so, so long ago, like 98. It, it was one of those things that similar to another. I was five. (laughs) I was five years old in 98. I counted Uh, on my fingers. You counted on your fingers just to make sure. I like the accuracy check. Yeah, I had to make sure. Uh, Similar to the Simpsons, which was all like had begun. This I don't know, we've talked about it before. If you didn't yeah. know, The Simpsons originally was 
like started as shorts on the Tracy Ullman show. Family Guy was planned as like a series of shorts for Mad TV, but um, was so popular, like became its own full fledged show. That's awesome. Uh, and I think negotiations for the Mad TV connection fell through early uh, when it came to like the budget of the show, and and Fox took a more direct role. But uh, ultimately, this Family Guy being started, you know, the work being in 1998, the show coming out in 1999. Seth MacFarlane was 24. Speaking of ages, counting on your fingers, he's yeah. 24, <laughs> which made him TV's youngest executive producer. Family Guy would literally go on to become a billion-dollar franchise. This 24-year-old, <laughs> youngest at his profession, youngest in his field, went on to make a billion-dollar franchise. And, it, like... It, it, the show's still going. I'm sure. I'm sure you're aware of the fact that uh, that's still going. Back in 2008, he had another. Uh, he had a famous deal with Fox where he had a hundred million dollar agreement to keep Family Guy and American Dad on Fox until 2012 for a hundred million dollars, and that like contract made him the highest paid television writer. So like the youngest executive <laughs> yeah. producer, then the highest paid writer, like just freaking <laughs> killing it. I think that my love of jump cut humor originated with family guy. Oh, uh, they pioneered probably, that. That yeah, random. Like most notably like the frog one where he's trying to scoop the dead frog up <laughs> yes. out of the window oh, and he's falling on the ground. And he yeah. does it for like, I mean, it might be literally 120 seconds of him doing that, like super overdrawn, but it's a jump cut. It's a two minute jump cut to the scene that literally could have been done in three seconds. It kills me, dude. It's, I think it, I think my love of that type of humor originates with family guy and probably American dad and almost yeah. anything else. That yeah. He Cause touches. like that was the first show I had seen as a, as like a young teenager where they make a joke and then they just keep doing it over and over <laughs> until it becomes not funny and then way funnier than it originally was just because of, yeah. of how absurdly long this is going like we yeah. all remember when uh like the scene where peter like is riding a bike and falls off and hurts his knee and he just goes <laughs> right for like a minute and like it's funny and then it's not funny and then it's funny again and like that was such a new concept for me and i feel like a lot of people even even if you were in your 20s or 30s when you watch family guy for, for the first time that was like the first time you'd seen something uh on like a big network that just was haphazard and just kind of loosey-goosey in that way I don't know. I, I absolutely like it, love that humor. And I feel like so many people, so many other things have expounded on that from there. But that was the first time I had seen just like a bit go way too far and then become more funny because it's just absurd how long it's going on for. 
Yeah, you expected the plug to be pulled on the bit by somebody that just was like, this isn't yeah. funny anymore. And it keeps going and it made it more funny. Well, they would do those cutaways so to Conway Twitty. Yes. That would sometimes, yeah. sometimes <laughs> be the rest of the episode. It would be a whole Conway Twitty song. Like at the end of the episode, the last four minutes would be a Conway Twitty song. I remember song. just thinking like, wait, what is this? And then, like, watching it and then just laughing towards the end of it after already getting annoyed that it's going on for so long and just laughing and, like, <laughs> why are they doing this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> they had so, to pay for the rights. They had to pay for the rights to yeah. put that song in there and they did it on purpose. <laughs> I really like what you guys were saying about, like, it introduced these, these styles of comedy to you, the joke going on too long the cutaway gag in in a similar vein i feel like everybody who loves comedy has something for them multiple things in a lot of cases that's like their first like subversive comedy like oh you can't say that you're not allowed to do that and you know for different generations different things whether it's like some sort of red skeleton thing for you or uh, a skeleton, sorry, red skeleton thing for you or, uh, you know, Monty Python. But like for me, I feel like it was both Family Guy and South Park were these things that existed that I knew were a comedy. And like I understood that they were in this vein of The Simpsons where it's like a comedy for an older age than I was by and large. But like. Family Guy and South Park were like, like you can't say that. You can't do that. <laughs> and obviously, like, The Simpsons paved the way for Family Guy. But in a way, I feel like Family Guy paved the way for a lot of things in that just, like, taking it to the next level of this is super offensive. Like, things that, like, I personally could not and would not defend but that's the show like yeah. it, it goes and I like it and that and that's been timeless as far as from day one to current. I was watching a current. I just while I was typing up some notes today about about good old Seth MacFarlane, our topic of the day. I'm excited. I just have I personally, if you're a fan of the show, you know, Izzy is an American dad fan yeah. and stan. But all props to Family Guy. I was just like, while I'm while I'm writing the, my notes, I'm gonna have Family Guy plan for the most recent season. And my cousin, he's our age, Jesse, listener, friend of the show, he comes in and is like, you know, realizes what's happening. Oh, you're doing a Seth MacFarlane episode or one of the actors, and I was like, Yeah, no, Seth Seth MacFarlane and that's why I have this going while I'm making my notes. And he was immediately like, what I love about Family Guy is that they just did those jokes that you're like, oh, my gosh, you can't get away with that. And, of course, tons of people do that now. Some of our favorites, Bo Burnham, yeah. uh, Sam Richardson, like they're like people are doing jokes that it's like, what? You can't say that. But like to me, Seth MacFarlane's Family Guy started that. And that's still a cornerstone of their current episodes. Yeah. I, I, that's just, that's, it's interesting to me. It's no. an interesting way to make television that clearly works, that clearly 
draws an audience. It's fun. It's it's fun. And I think like an added layer to that, like I think South Park started first, but at least for me, like South Park was on Comedy Central. This was the first show on like a major network. Yeah, that was making those jokes. Simpsons and King of the Hill were a thing, and Simpsons was like way edgier and funnier. And then King of the Hill was way more realistic, but no, but like, not that the Simpsons never pushed the line, but Family Guy comes out and, and just Family Guy and South Park just like threw that line further than yeah, you ever they were thought. Like, they were just like, how far over the line can we go? Next, we're going to move on to something that is very near and dear to my heart, which may surprise some people. Um, what <laughs> the GGs? Gilmore Girls? The yeah, the GGs, dude. <laughs> All right, tell me about That's Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Girls. I've bonded with my sisters over the show. I'm sure you have too. That's yeah. It started that way, and then I really just enjoyed <laughs> the story. And then right, it was just like, your show. <laughs> once, no, once I you can say start it's my show, understanding like, <laughs> the speed that they speak and or put on the subtitles and can read fast enough. Like once you (laughs) can catch up to the dialogue. Yeah. See, I have ADD. So I think that's why I enjoy it so much is because it's like the dialogue is extremely witty and fast paced. And that's what I really enjoy about it. But um, I wouldn't say it's my show compared to my sisters. I think one of my sisters owns like a hard copy of every single season. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not that big of a Stan. Um, yeah, I mean it's a, yeah, it's a show for sisters. But yeah, Seth I've seen McFarland. every episode, including the new ones. Yeah, I've but, seen uh, it all. Seth MacFarlane, um, he's in it three uh, times. Yeah, he's in it for three episodes as Zach. So I don't know if you guys remember this. I actually believe it or not, rewatched the episode in which he's Zach. Oh, nice. Um, in preparation for this episode because I just I couldn't remember it couldn't picture it he's <laughs> he's like a fellow graduate with Lorelai and like a rich people hater making fun of like this photographer and equipment in the hall that is ultimately like something Lorelai's mother is doing and she's trying to like pretend that she also like oh yeah like i hate the rich too but like seth mcfarland as zach is just unreasonably mean like wildly (laughs) over the top mean and rude in an otherwise like more realistic feeling show and i'm not trying to say that like everything that happens in gilmore girls and interactions are all realistic like it's a tv show but he is just like over the top mean like he's so rude so mean it's kind of crazy but uh he you know i'm sure he was just doing what was written for him but uh there's a there's an interesting connection where amy sherman uh paladino's husband daniel paladino is a writer and producer and director of gilmore girls but he's also a producer on Family Guy. Oh, nice. Uh, so that's like, I, I, I assume they met 
there. I guess maybe they could have met before because Family Guy would have already been going at this point. Uh, but Seth MacFarlane was only Zach in one episode. He was in two more, I uh, believe, as Emily Gilmore, like uh, Lorelai's mom's lawyer. But I think it was just a voice. I think it was just over the phone. And then he also was in another episode that he actually wasn't credited for, uh, where he was like, a, I think just a folk singer, like doing some music in the town. So he was in he was in three different episodes playing three different people. So that is how I take it. <laughs> the Gilmore Wiki situation considers it two characters, but I'm not entirely sure. Is it the lawyer who's playing folk music, or is it this mean Zach guy? <laughs> uh, but or or because it's uncredited, they just that like doesn't as a can, character. Yeah, that might be too. Yeah, that is that is very interesting to me. I'll probably have to go back and watch those. I mean, I've seen every episode of the original series. I've seen every episode of like the uh, the re release that they are not re release, but the uh, the slight kind of reboot that they did on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I'm just sitting here waiting, hoping there's more, and I'm hoping that it has Seth MacFarlane in it. So, if you didn't know, Seth MacFarlane, much like myself, much like many people, big fan of Star Trek. Growing up, foundational for their interest in television. He always loved it, kind of wished he could reboot TNG, which... <laughs> Spoiler alert, he sort of gets to. But uh, he, I feel like a dream of someone who loves Star Trek and works in television would, would get to, would be being on Star Trek. And Seth MacFarlane is in two episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. Nice. So he's, he's Ensign Rivers. He's in two episodes, uh, one of which was directed by LeVar Burton. No way. That is, of That's course, super cool. The Reading Rainbow guy. Reading Rainbow. Jordy from TNG. Uh, that's the, the Forgotten in season three. And then the, the second episode, McFarlane's in, is in season four. But, uh, like, as a fan, how cool would it be to get to be in an iteration of, like, one of your favorite series and then on top of that be directed by an actor from... Star Trek, like from the thing <laughs> that you're here because you love. That's a dream come so true. So wild. Yeah. Uh, had to get that in there. This was in the early 2000s, 04, 05. But something else happened in 05 that is probably my personal most significant Seth MacFarlane creation, and that is American Dad. Seth MacFarlane, he co-created, he writes, he produces. Now... Here's the thing about American Dad. A lot of people see it, and it visually has a similar style to Family Guy. But McFarlane's interaction with American Dad is mostly voice acting. He let, he has uh, uh, Weitzman and Barker, who are the show's like executive producers. He has them like leading the creative direction. McFarlane has said that especially as the show got into its groove of what it is, that he's 
a big fan of the show like, oh, rather than okay. saying that like he's making the show and he's proud of it like i'm sure he is yeah but he says he's a fan of the show um if you weren't super aware like the initial seasons sort of are like a play on the sh- the classic show all in the family where stan smith the leader of the smith family the the head of the household he's sort of like a somewhat arguably bigoted persona just sort of being archie bunker so it it was sort of this play on all on the family set in a modern time but then it ended up growing into more of its own thing as the characters grow and develop their own brands of comedy seth mcfarland of course as in family guy voices some major characters specifically Stan, he also voices Roger. Yeah. I don't know if we said it, but in Family Guy, he is Peter and he's Stewie. Yeah. And he's Brian. Yeah, among a hundred and Oh, for sure. A hundred and eighty sure, other We can't characters. get into all those, yeah. but I feel like it's important to say the like the yeah. lead characters. Of course. Um But uh he if you if you've ever watched Bewitched, um interesting note. Roger's voice, like the the Seth MacFarlane doing Roger, is based on Uncle Arthur in Bewitched. Okay, so nice. If you, if you if you watch that, you you can hear it. It's interesting. Uh, nice. I actually have an interesting fact, and I like I know for for us at least, this is the third time we've recorded this episode. But um, I found out new things this episode or this time around uh, that I didn't before. Did you know that? Um, Seth MacFarlane's sister, Rachel, I believe, voices Haley Smith. What? Really? Seth MacFarlane's awesome. blood sister he grew up with <laughs> is Haley Smith, and uh, she is in like a couple of other things that I think is tied to Seth MacFarlane. But yeah, That's so she's cool. a voice actress. That was the first time I've, I had read that, and I Dude, thought that was super awesome. That makes <laughs> I think she's the, really good, too. That makes the episode, I can't remember what one it is, but Haley and Klaus both like lean into the screen, and they're not in the episode at all other than this moment, and say... Ha, we're in the episode. You got to pay us, bitches. And, yeah. Like, that was funny at the time, but knowing that that's just like his, sister, his sister, and he's just like, yeah, yeah. no, we'll do this. You, you'll jump out yeah. there and, and say the B word. I believe, get paid. I believe her name's Rachel. She, her, and she's married, uh, so she does not have the last name McFarland. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, you know, it's one of those things where we've talked about American Dad before. If you remember back to our uh, top animation episode, this was one of my top three animated shows. So I, I'm sure I talked about it even more extensively then. Um, it's so, so funny. It's got so many great people. I honestly don't want to get into all of them, but just to mention another person we've done an episode on, Patrick Stewart is a recurring character in American Dad. It's so good. It's so funny. He's the director of the CIA, right? Yeah, he stands boss. Yeah. I do want to uh, make a note here. I think I've mentioned it before, probably in that episode you talked about Israel, but you convinced me because I was I was a, a family guy stan, still yeah. am, but I never gave... American dad, the light of day simply because I was like, it's been done once. 
Right. Why would I change what That's isn't broken? so many people's viewpoints, but it's not cutaway humor. It's character humor. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they still they still have cutaways, oh, but for way sure. less often than and Family, Family Guy. Guy has character humor, but it's just like yeah. what they specialize in. Yeah, I definitely was not into American Dad very much when I was you know super young and into Family Guy, but it because like with Family Guy, that whole cutaway gag was like what really sold me on that show is like oh it's so exactly. random i don't know what's gonna happen what are they gonna cut away to uh but with I american told... dad american dad is still a very unique sense of humor it's just not that right. and if you're it... thinking like it's gonna be the same thing it's not going it's to not be. it's i feel like the funniness is as different as American Dad is from Futurama and Futurama is from The Simpsons. Like, it's all in the same vein yeah. of, like, being wacky, being silly, but also trying to be smart. But it is different enough that it's worth it. I feel like that's where you were headed, Thomas, is that I convince you to watch it. If you... I mean, you didn't you didn't necessarily convince me to watch it. Because you had seen it. Yeah. But convince you, you to you give more it a chance. Less, you more or less forced me to watch it. You didn't... <laughs> You didn't force me. That's a little strong. Yeah. But you convinced me to sit down and watch it. You were like, let me play. I think it was three episodes. Yeah, we were down have... in Florida, and we happened to be there at the same time. And you were like, let's sit down. I'll like just watch three episodes with me. If I cannot convince you in those three episodes mm -hmm. that this is a good show, not to say it's better than Family Guy, but that right. this is a funny show, then I'll drop it, and I'll never talk about right. it again. I think midway through episode one, mm -hmm. I was already sold. You like I, played the exactly right episode, and I was like, "All right, I get it. I I'm get sure it. Like, I know what it it's is." It's not comparing apples to apples. It's like comparing no. apples to oranges. They're both great. They're both great. Their what right. episode tell... was it? Oh, for sure. I can't remember. If, if you like Seth MacFarlane, if I'm convinced, I can get you to watch American Dad. It's always, it's always season seven, episode seventeen, and that is, of course. Ricky Spanish. Yo, Ricky Spanish. Yes. The Ricky, Ricky Spanish, Spanish episodes are great. It's just like enough of the flavor of Family Guy, but also like showcasing Roger, who's my personal favorite of character. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I've gotten many a friend to concede that American Dad is worth their time. <laughs> By showing them <laughs> Ricky Spanish, it's seasons. And I, I see, know that's personally the title that you prefer Family Guy or uh, American Dad over Family Guy. Oh, for sure. I understand um, the other side of it, but yeah, for me, for sure. But that's not that's not how you pitch it. You pitch it that it's a good show, yeah, and you should watch it, and that's for sure the truth. And I feel like now they both, I mean, they only started running six years apart. So it's not like, it's not like American Dad is that much younger of a show. Right. At this point, they've both been on together longer than like either was without the other. Yeah. 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 And like, I just assumed that American Dad was like 10 years newer and it's only six. It only started it. I mean, what it was at 05 and Family Guy started in 99. Like, I mean, it seems like. I mean, he just hits it out of the park every time, right. but American dad is totally worth it. Uh, I did not give it the light of day at first, but once I stopped comparing uh, like a pickup truck to a sedan 
and right. started enjoying each of them for what they are. It's definitely a good show, and I, I highly recommend it. Um, the next thing on our list is Seth MacFarlane's Caval- Cavalcade of Cartoon Comedy. Been having trouble saying that tonight. Um, so I have not, I had not seen this until this week, uh, but I remember seeing promotional materials back in like 2010. But the series is just a compilation of animated sketches that w- were originally released on YouTube. Um, the series aired several episodes a month and was originally sponsored by Burger King, then Priceline.com, oh, and then man. finally Nike. I thought someone negotiated that. Oh, which is... <laughs> Priceline negotiated. <laughs> okay, I get it now. I, I, I didn't get it at first. But I thought that was totally crazy because no company would sponsor these animated sketches nowadays. Oh, That's man. for sure. So if I were to describe this to anybody, it would just be... The everything you see on this seems to be cutaway gags from Family Guy that were too much for Fox to like actually release. Like they're just more over the top, more, uh, you know, non PC or offensive. Uh, like but, like one-off horrible jokes from Family Guy. Yeah, stuff, yeah. Like, like they all seem like they could have been just in family guy but they're just a little bit too rough uh even back in 2010 or whatever but well, um, it was a cavalcade it was a cavalcade of cartoon comedy or comedy cartoons uh but i i really liked it you can find all of it on daily motion so like ev- so it's just one big collection of short cartoon skits ranging from 1 to 2 minutes so they all go really fast and they all start with a black screen and like what this skit is called. And a lot of times that's where the humor comes from. Like you got to read that first screen to think this is funny. Um, like, but, a, like a far side caption. Some, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the picture doesn't explain it all. Yeah. But like uh, I watched this for the first time uh, just earlier today and I've, I've almost finished it. It's only like an hour long. Uh, but I thought it was really funny because, I mean, not all of the skits hit home with me, uh, some of them more than others, but specifically there was one skit that just completely brought me back to 2008 and being a little kid and seeing Peter Griffin <laughs> skin his knee and go, ah, just like that repeated joke. <laughs> one skit in this, and it's not going to sound funny, is Fred Flintstone uh, pooping in a like public toilet and the entire skit for like a minute or two minutes straight. It's like two minutes straight of just the grossest pooping sounds. Oh, and then Fred Flintstone in his voice going, ha, 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 oh. and then more pooping oh sounds. God. And it's not funny. It's not funny. It's stupid. Did you know? And then it goes on for two minutes, and I literally was crying <laughs> laughing. I was just like, is anything else going to – because every time you think he's going to say something, there's going to be some dialogue, he's going to come out of the bathroom stall, something's going to happen. <laughs> but it's just that for two minutes, and it just brought me back to the like that – 
overkill, you know, it, it just brought me back so perfect. And like, I, I thought it was so funny. I'm sorry. But Is it was he, Fred? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that Seth MacFarlane was con- contract yes. contracted to That's what made renew the Flintstones? Yes. So the Flintstones was coming back to television and they got Seth MacFarlane to do it. But then the network, whoever owns those rights, maybe NBC, I, I'm not totally sure. Google it for yourself. Have fun. Um, they didn't do it. They yeah. did. He. They didn't do it. But like knowing that that's a sket, yes. sketch. And I read about that, that before sketch, I saw and like, this, and it just made it all that much funnier. Knowing that he was like <laughs> just like noodling on like how yeah. am I going to do Fred? How am I going to do Barney? He was going to voice Barney. I don't yeah. know if you. Yeah, yeah, I did read but, that. Uh, <laughs> that's freaking wild. Oh, dude, dude. Uh, I would. I would recommend you both check that out. You can see it for free on Daily Motion. Um, Dude, it's all on there, and yeah. it's just like the collection of shorts. What could be better? Yeah, and it's uh, it's not all the jokes hit home, but some of them do, and they and they all go really quick. So even if you're like, that's oh, that wasn't funny, game. it's it's yeah. over by the time you thought that's not funny, and then you're seeing something funny. So I I had a lot of fun watching those. So real quick, a little tidbit kind of uh, to go back to Family Guy, but also to move to uh, to move forward. Seth MacFarlane shows up in an episode of Bones <laughs> in okay. 2009, not as himself, but as Stewie Griffin. <laughs> what? <laughs> How is Stewie Griffin in Bones? So he shows up as Stewie on like a television set in a room with one of the main characters. And like you'll just have to watch it. It it won't it won't be good if I try and explain it. I think uh I don't know who linked it in here. Um but I mean you guys can whoever's listening, you can just search Stewie Griffin Bones and you can watch the like 2 minute clip or whatever it is. Oh my and gosh, it's when I think it's when one of them had a brain tumor. Like one of the lead. Is that, what, is that how it happened? The guy. Because I saw the Who's clip. Who's the guy? Booth? Is his Booth. name Booth? Yeah. I think I think it was like his brain tumor making him see things. And it was. <laughs> like it he was, literally sees live action looking around a, around a room. He sees, he sees animated cartoon, cartoon Stewie he Griffin. Sees, yeah, yeah. And Stewie's talking to him. Yes, and it's yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's 100% crazy. what it is. <laughs> okay, so an added layer to that after I saw that, like I, I brought up a U, the YouTube video of the Bones clip with Booth talking to Stewie, and then suggested on the side was American Dad Bones. So I clicked on that YouTube video and it's a video of of Roger sitting with Haley and Steve on a couch and he start and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to play the newest episode of Bones." And Haley goes, "Oh, I recorded over your DVR and I I just got rid of a few episodes and Roger just slowly and completely silently <laughs> opens his mouth and his eyes like really wide and just like looks at her like a super slow tracking of the pupil to the side <laughs> yeah and then steve goes yeah i mean it's not that big of a deal like 
season four, Bones kind of started going downhill. It's not that great. And then Roger just looks from Haley and then like slowly yeah. tracks over to Steve. Not saying anything. His mouth's just wide open. And he's just looking at him. And I think uh, later in that episode, he he cages both of them in like dog cages yes, and makes them watch Bones. he puts them in dog cages and makes them watch the whole series so that they get it. Because Roger is such a big fan of Bones. I just love that, like, both of those, like, it's all the same network Fox, but it's all all the same reference, and uh, I thought that was so funny. Dude, that's such a good clip. And that's (laughs) not even the only time Roger, like, brings brings up Bones. Really? Okay, that's... Like, I feel like one time he, like, literally finds a dinosaur bone, and it's like an Indiana Jones thing. He's like, I found a bone. Like bones. From, yeah, that, like, yeah, I think I see that too. I love that. Do you do you want to go even a layer deeper from there? Yeah. The episode in which Booth develops a brain tumor and he hallucinates Stewie on the TV is in season four. Oh, and that's when <laughs> Steve says it starts going downhill. It starts going downhill. (laughs) In season four. (laughs) That's when it references Family Guy. That's amazing. (laughs) That is good television right there. That's TV for you. Brought to you by the TV boys. Oh, man. Man. So, uh, just real quick, I know we we love talking about TV. That's our forte. But Seth MacFarlane has also dipped a toe in a few movies. And in 2012, Seth MacFarlane made his directorial uh, live-action film debut with the release of Ted. Um, Along with directing the film, he also wrote the screenplay, served as a producer, and starred as the title character Ted, Um, which, if you don't remember, it's about uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg is the the person who's alive, uh, but he's like a grown man, and he has an alive teddy bear that is uh, voiced by Seth MacFarlane. I know know we saw this. Yeah, and I I, actually... I'm sure Thomas has them. He hates movies. Yeah, yeah. Thomas hates movies, but um, moving on from that without giving Thomas a chance to talk... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> um, I just recently rewatched this. It's on HBO Max if you want really? to. It's uh, it's still very funny and very crude. But the reason I'm bringing it up in the first place is because I did not know that this movie is currently the highest grossing original R-rated comedy of all time, beating The Hangover. Ted from 2012. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, because, like, I know, like, the most recent news of, like, R-rated things was the Joker being the biggest R-rated release. But this is, like, the biggest R-rated comedy, which... Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of, and I've seen a lot of R-rated right, I'm comedies. Way more, not that I didn't love the Joker, 11, yeah. 11 out of 10, but I'm way more likely to see comedies, and it did. <clears throat> I mean, I saw Ted. I saw Ted in 2012. I saw, I saw Ted it in, in theaters. theaters. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. And, like, I definitely understand it being a top-rated R comedy. I am a little surprised that it beats out The Hangover, because I thought that yeah. was more of a cultural phenomenon but 
Uh, I think that's just the pool of Seth MacFarlane. I like, think people so. People know what he's got. I will say, like, I've seen the Hangover sequel, but I've not seen Ted 2. Have you guys seen Ted 2? I definitely I saw know. that one in theaters, too. Okay. Like, I... I have been such a diehard fan well, for so long. I really thanks for inviting me. <laughs> we were I not gone. We were not friends <laughs> for back Ted too. Ted too. Yeah, we were not friends then. <laughs> now he's looking up the date. I was friends with both of you then. Yeah. Why didn't so you? There. Why didn't you make us hang out? This is your fault. Because I didn't. I didn't see it, so <laughs> I have an out. Ted too was in 2015. Yeah, and we started hanging out. I don't know. Probably, Probably like 2014. <laughs> but like we didn't really become friends friends until you know. You I'm, know. I'm basing be... that off of when Ted 2 came out, <laughs> not any facts or memories. <laughs> Speaking of Seth's movies, now Ted I am much more familiar with. I did watch A Million Ways to Die in the West back in 2014. Which is, of course, what I'm talking about now. It uh, he co-wrote it. He starred in it. It uh, Alex Salkin and Wesley Wilde also co-wrote the movie. It's it's if you haven't seen it, if you're not familiar with A Million Ways to Die in the West, it follows Seth MacFarlane, a cowardly sheep farmer who loses a gunfight and like his girlfriend leaves him for another man. And then another woman rides into town and, like, needs help. And I think he helps her. And that's, like, the courageous turnaround. But her, that woman's outlaw husband end up ends up coming to the town and wants revenge. And Seth just gets, his character just gets wrapped up in all this. He's got to figure out you know he's already on record as being cowardly and now he has to be courageous i guess that's the the turn of the movie it's a lot of funny jokes about just like tropes of western movies or western tv shows like making fun of john wayne stuff little house on the prairie stuff like it's it's funny um a weird thing i feel like seth MacFarlane wrote a a novel based on the film script and he said that he wrote that on weekends while filming partially because of boredom Hmm. and i feel like being Mm -hmm. bored on the set of the movie you're making is a bad sign to me personally maybe that means something different to him i'm not i'm not trying to cast a pall over this movie but I feel like that's weird that he wrote a movie because he was bored making the movie or wrote a book because he was bored making the movie. Yeah. I feel like that's weird to me. I don't, I, I, I don't know. But I, don't, I, but yeah. I want to tell you that he wrote this book because, of course, it's 2021. There's an audio book of the book. You know who narrates it? You know who's reading it to you? Who's reading it? Jonathan Frakes. That's right, Captain Will Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation. Dude, I just love his his constant obsession with anybody from Next Generation. Like, that was such... I I 100% love it, too, because I also feel that way. I'm not making television shows like Seth MacFarlane, but I, too, am obsessed with TNG. 
And like you said, it just like comes up again and again. I just love that Seth MacFarlane was so incredibly talented that he basically created his own reality where he got to be friends with his heroes. To go from idolizing Patrick Stewart to having the honor and opportunity and chance to hire Patrick Stewart yeah. to voice something you you are making like I can't I I honestly don't even know what to compare it to like honestly I think everybody could make their own comparisons but for me it would be like I write a story that is so good and I am just so talented right. that I get to hire Elijah Wood to be my main character. Right. Like that's right. what it would be. Like I grew up watching Lord of the Rings. It would be like me being in a position where I could hire Elijah where Wood. Where Elijah Wood contacts you <laughs> and is like, I really loved your novel. I'd yeah. love to read it. If you yeah, exactly. In audio like, form. I'm sure everybody personally would have their own comparisons of right. like who right. they could hire that they idolize. But like that's what it would be for me. And I just think that is so cool on so many levels that at least one person got to do that. And, like, and we both love the same things. And you love Star Trek. And go on. Sorry. Well, I feel like that dovetails really nicely and succinctly into the next show I, I feel like we should talk about. Exactly. Which is the fact that this Star Trek fan who got to be in Star Trek, got to work with Star Trek people... Got to make his Star Trek. Yes. Let's talk about 2017, two current, still going on, still one of the best. Let's talk about the Orville. I'd love to talk about it. Uh, besides being in it as the captain of the spaceship, the Orville, Seth MacFarlane, he's also, he created the show. He's writing. He's the executive producer. And he's directing some of these episodes. Yeah. He is, he's very heavily involved with what is ultimately one of my absolute favorite sci-fi television shows. If you if you weren't super aware, it it's co-produced by Brandon Braga. And that name doesn't mean something to a lot of people. And it means a lot to some people. Um, he's... Like a, a of Star Brandon Braga is of Star Trek production fame. He co-created the Enterprise, produced on many of the previous shows. But interestingly enough, Seth MacFarlane and Brandon Braga, they had worked together in the past when they collaborated on making the Cosmos a space-time odyssey, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. Had Neil deGrasse, yeah, Tyson, that's what gonna, yeah, that's and, what I was gonna uh, say you know, based on Carl Sagan's show and Brandon Braga and Seth MacFarlane worked together to bring that back. And also he worked on Star Trek and now he's working on Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek. Uh, David Goodman, who has been working on Family Guy, producing Family Guy for over 20 years. He also produced for Futurama. But just speaking of these connections, Star Trek Enterprise... Since I'm already on these Star Trek connections, Andre Bermani is the Orville's technical advisor and science consultant. <laughs> and he was the science consultant for like 
almost all of Star Trek, like TNG through Enterprise. That's awesome. Uh, so it's just, it has not only like, yes, we're going to talk more about the Orville. We have talked about it. It's a Star Trek esque show, but it but, has all these people who were like integral and in making Trek what it was. Yeah. Like I was just about to say, like, I did not know that, but or- the Orville nails so. So much of what Star Trek Enterprise yeah. or uh, the next generation specifically, yeah. it nails so many things that they did so well. I think it's really cool that. So it was, it definitely does. And it definitely is. It was initially like some of the ad campaigns, the first, some first ones I saw definitely. I think the first ones there were, it was sort of pitched and promoted as like a spoof. Like a comedy drama, but in the style of the next generation, but more funny. But it ended up like being way more of what McFarlane wanted, which is to say, like, totally paid homage to Star Trek. But I think an interesting thing so, Star Trek Discovery, which is pretty famously Star Trek's return to television was supposed to come out a lot earlier than it did. And it had some production delays. And ultimately, like, the the release of Orville was supposed to be a full, like, television season or at least a half television season after Star Trek returned to the screen. But because of delays on Star Trek Discovery... The Orville ended up debuting two weeks before Discovery. Yeah. And it led to, like, critics and fans making all these head-to-head comparisons, which, like, honestly totally makes sense. But because they were coming out at the same time, like, airing weekly, overlapping, like, made even more sense to compare them. Um, Made it, I feel like, gave it way... Gave it a run for its money. Because Discovery is great. Discovery is fantastically produced. And Orville just, like, stayed step in step with them. It was freaking crazy. It was uh, one of the first network series of the the 2017-2018 series to go ahead and get renewed for a second year. um, Which, like, ultimately made it line up again with, like, Discovery Season 2. So they're, like, keeping this... um, de facto franchise competition together even though it was you know unintended and i don't know that you know if you're not watching both of these shows if you're not interested in television networks battling it out like maybe that means nothing to you but like if any of that means something like that means a lot to me that it's like they survived this crazy fight like i would not want to air my sci-fi homage to star trek the freaking month the new star (laughs) trek was returning to television after all this time (laughs) i would not think i would make it and he still freaking took everything in stride and made it and made it like when star trek discovery was announced before any of this like this is rolling the clock back Seth MacFarlane tweeted, hey, let's make this new Star Trek series optimistic, eh? I think we're all, quote, dystopiaed out. And 
knowing that he said that about discovery and this is no shade on discovery. I love discovery. I can't wait for more. I've watched it all. I'll watch more like Orville is trying to resurrect like that TNG vibe of an optimistic future. It's not just about like dystopia situations happening. Yeah. And he called out that Star Trek should get back to that and then made his own Star Trek that is that. It's it's just See, so freaking cool. When when you were talking about uh the new Star Trek against Seth MacFarlane's The Orville, I thought you were saying like I hope we do well against Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek, but you were like saying basically opposite. Like that's how much yeah. How highly I hold Seth MacFarlane yeah. in my head is like I pretty much have a preconceived notion that I will like this and it will be good. Like that's how much of a fan I am. I, I, said, I know Star Trek has disappointed me in some ways. Right. But Seth MacFarlane hasn't. Before Discovery Season 1 premiered, I went on record as saying to me this is the most important television show premiere of my lifetime <laughs> yeah. thus far. Yeah. <laughs> and Dude. I'm not taking that back at all, but I am saying I feel like the Orville went toe to freaking toe. And depending on, you know, Star Trek is different. There's hundreds of episodes of Star Trek. Depending on what type of Trek you like, you're going to freaking like the Orville more than Discovery. Like, yeah, it's, di- it's, it's two, it's two fantastic stories, but they are different. And, Neither of them, in my opinion, are less Trek than the other. If anything, I would argue the Orville follows the predominant formula more than Discovery does. But, I mean, that's part of the draw of Discovery is we're shaking up the formula. Dude, I honestly, I love the Orville so much. Like, I am... It has Liam Neeson. Yeah. Qui-Gon Jinn. (laughs) The best of the Jedi. I am like <laughs> invested in these people's careers and yeah. like I did not know like most of these people but I feel like something important we should point out is that Steve Smith the voice actor who plays C- Steve Smith in uh, American Dad is a main character in the Orville and it's so it's funny when you know that because like, I you didn't can know. hear it he sounds like an adult man in his yeah. live action role right <laughs> it, it's uh and it's he's Scott played a Grimes. teenager. Yeah, Scott Grimes, who like on his own has like been a musician you know, and like released yeah. uh, a song that like charted on the top one hundred, and that's the guy who like in my head sings Steve Smith's really cr- right. crude songs. And uh yeah, bam, so he's also in the bam. Orville. The uh, this Christmas song. <laughs> yeah. Bam, bam, bam. And it's all those like Backstreet Boy rap. Yeah. But like we just we love talking about voice actors. We just had an episode la- this past week. H. John Benjamin. Yeah. You see H. John Benjamin in live action. You know immediately that's Bob. That's yeah. Archer. Yeah. You see Scott Grimes piloting the ship in the Orville. I feel like I don't immediately realize that like no. that's Steve Smith. Like yeah. it's he does <laughs> he he like his human voice is not steve's yeah yeah like definitely h john's bed h john benjamin's voice for bob and archer is his natural speaking voice 
which is still enjoyable. Like, I love it. And uh, I really like it in uh, important things with Demetri Martin. But like you said, uh, seeing Scott Grimes play a live action role, I it's not an immediate thing that you're going to recognize. Like, oh, that's Steve Smith. Like, right. I did not recognize that. And I'm a huge fan. Uh, he definitely has... I mean, to be fair, like Captain Ed Mercer, Seth MacFarlane himself, Captain of the Orville, doesn't like sound like Peter Griffin. Yeah. But I still like know. Yeah. And I did not know that was that was Steve. For sure. I want to shout out if we're talking Seth MacFarlane shout outs that in 2020, just last year, MacFarlane signed an exclusive 200 million dollar deal. With NBC Universal. That's cool. That's fine. No worries. Under this deal, he'll develop television projects for both internal and external networks. Oh, gosh. Whatever that, whatever I mean, that Universal means is like an L- umbrella company, right? Right. Right. <laughs> and it's it's mostly based on like the, the Peacock streaming service. But McFarlane still is going to be free to like shop film projects as opposed to television projects to other studios. And his current shows, Family Guy, American Dad, The Orville, will continue to air on their networks they're already on without interruption. Nice. So, but I, I guess what I'm just trying to say is, can you imagine a two hundred million NBC, dollar deal? NBC is paying Seth MacFarlane two hundred million dollars to make something, <laughs> just something, <laughs> just something for it. them to advertise with MacFarlane name. I love that. Just something. No worries about your existing things. Like that's freaking crazy. Um. I had to mention that. I also kind of feel like we'd be, I I, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the Cleveland show, which of course is like a, a, a partner show in the family guy universe. It had 88 episodes. Like it had a good run. I think it had four Um, seasons. Yeah. Well, at least I watched it last night. uh, (laughs) It was of course a spinoff of family guy where Cleveland goes and makes his own show. I think he moves to another city. And ultimately, when the show was canceled, Cleveland and his family move back to Quahog, move back to Family Guy. So and of course, they make a lot of jokes back about in. that in both um, Family Guy and Cleveland show. show. But like 88 episodes is no freaking slouch. Like that's a whole freaking other show. Uh, yeah. And I do believe that was the first Seth MacFarlane show that he created that he did not voice the main character because oh, he didn't yeah. voice Cleveland. He voiced the bear for the majority of the show, not the last season. But So just in closing it, uh, with Seth MacFarlane, I just want to shout out a few awards that he got. Uh, Seth MacFarlane has been nominated for 23 uh, primetime Emmy Awards for his work on Family Guy and has won five in 2000, 2002, 2016, 2017, and 2019. Uh, he's been nominated for five Grammy Awards for his work in Family Guy Live in Las... Live in Vegas. Um, so I was seeing some interesting stuff about this like live Family Guy business. Mm-hmm. I... I don't know enough about it to really talk about it on the show, but I was very interested. It seemed like some of it 
was them like doing scripts from upcoming episodes. Really? So like fans at these live, I guess, script readings done on stage. I don't, I don't know how much they added to it, but like specifically a family guy, like season premiere was really? like, they did the script at one of these live events. And huh. I was like, what is that? Is that a thing? Is that, did fam- was Family Guy the first to do this? Do other shows do this? And I yeah. like, I really couldn't find out more, but it seemed unique and interesting. That sounds really cool. Um, I'm glad you. I'm glad you clarified that. Uh, but the the reason I even wrote this down is just because I wanted to just real quick put a spotlight on Seth MacFarlane's music. Um, I know from a young age, he was like very influenced by the Rat Pack and specifically Frank Sinatra. And I think if you have watched any amount of Family Guy, you totally get that. There's so many musical numbers. Um, and I think they have Frank Sinatra Jr. in Family Guy. And it's voiced by Frank and he's voiced by Frank Sinatra Jr. But um, he has been nominated for... Uh, Grammy Awards uh, for his own albums. And they're, they are all very, like, big band, Frank Sinatra-esque. Um, I think a lot of them are covers of those kind of songs. But he has been nominated for multiple Grammys over the years. And I'm just... I'm, su- I'm such a big fan of, like, the music that but, he puts into yeah. his shows and, like... He goes out of his way to do musical numbers. And he, and he trained with like a voice coach that Sinatra also studied under. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that's I, like super for that to not only be one of his major influences musically, but for him to have the opportunity to study with the same coach. Yeah, that's so cool. I think I I read uh, I read about that too, and I think I read a quote that said like this vocal coach who had trained those like greats was like before the time of like electronic amplification before speakers and stuff. So like he was trained to like sing with like a lot of teeth showing. Yeah. That was one of the major notes was like, try to show all your teeth. Try to show all your teeth. And he was like, if you like watch Frank Sinatra and like those old recordings, like he's always singing and like showing a lot of teeth when he does that and goes into like how antiquated their idea of singing was, but how uh, beneficial that was for what he went on to do. I just, I think that's so cool. And I think you can see a lot of those influences. Um, Yeah. And Seth MacFarlane is just the whole, the whole package. Like he's so funny. He's musically gifted. I, I'm just such such a big fan of all these shows. I'm glad. I'm glad we did this episode for a third time. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely some deja vu. Yeah, for but, sure. But uh, I, I too am am glad that we did this. Yeah, um, I'm feeling. I'm feel. I see off the distance is that an approaching, flashing. Oh no. Yeah, that, was that like exactly. was that the uh, a telegram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like Balto. Yeah, where where do they need the influenza medication? <laughs> um, it's getting... a news alert. It's a bulletin news alert. <laughs> I sort of only partially remember the Balto plot, but 
Do we have some TV news? <laughs> so the TV, I, I just like to keep up with uh, shows that we've talked about on yeah. the TV boys, uh, stuff that we like. Um, the only thing I got to report that I thought was exciting this week is on the that scene. Uh, Cobra Kai, which I know oh, yeah. we got some fans of that show here on the TV oh, boys. Yeah. The fifth season, it was renewed for a fifth season. Wait, what? Before the fourth season even aired okay, on Netflix. I was going to say, like, there hasn't even been a season yeah, four. Yeah, so What's you're happening? about to see season four, but do not worry. You're already guaranteed for a season five, and I think it's in pre-production, and they're already working on it. So well, heck it yeah. is going to be a continued storyline. So get ready for that. I know a lot of people really, really like it. That's on Netflix. So check it out. I have a slightly smaller piece of TV news. Oh, nice. What do you got? Um, as of August 25th, for all those nerdy boys out there like me, uh, game games workshop based out of the old United Kingdom released their Warhammer plus streaming service. Oh yeah. And you can go watch, narrative driven warhammer shows uh i think there's a single episode of cg a cgi based show a few episodes of more of an anime based show um and also like painting videos where you can like learn how to paint models okay um i was i was really intrigued that uh that Games Workshop decided to create their own streaming ser- paid streaming service. I think it's like four ninety nine or five ninety nine a month. Hey, that's that's pretty um, affordable. So if you're a fan, it of, is pretty affordable. Yeah, if you're a fan of Warhammer, go for it. And if you uh, if you're signed up for twelve months straight, uh, they'll ship you a free mini. <laughs> so. Well, hell we're not yeah. sponsored by them. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get that free mini dog. Gotta get it. That's some TV news coming at you. All right. Well, I think that leads us to our next and final segment, and that is, of course, what, 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 what? What have you been watching this week? That was the Drake. Rap dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you better be so psyched right now. <laughs> Who's going first? All right. Who's going first? Hey, Thomas, <laughs> what have you been watching this week? So off of the coattails of talking about Warhammer Plus, <laughs> I have been oh, watching such a valiant Angels coattail. of Death, Blood and Duty on uh, Warhammer Plus. It's uh, it's interesting, but it is also extremely. Uh, it takes itself very seriously. Okay. Um, so if you're unfamiliar with the lore, as I am, I am not an avid Warhammer player. Uh, there is a lot of stuff in there that is just going to fly over your head. Um, so I can't necessarily recommend it to anybody that has not watched Warhammer. But if you're into fantasy or sci-fi fantasy, uh, the the CGI work in it is is pretty interesting. And the storyline seems intriguing. I just need to catch <laughs> up on 
different factions. <laughs> All right. So what you're saying is there is a board game slash card game slash uh, also books, video games, and movie franchise that is called Warhammer. And if you are into that, you should watch the new show on their streaming service. Yeah, okay. that's pretty much what I'm, <laughs> I'm saying. I'm just making sure that everybody's got a clear picture of what's going on. Yeah, the, the, the number of people listening to this podcast that my recommendation is applicable to is probably zero. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You might change somebody's life. For the better, I might. I'm, dude. I'm, I'm sucked in. I've never played it, and I think I've, <laughs> I've read more than some people who actually play the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Johnny. Yeah. Enough of me talking. How about you talk about what have you been watching, dude? You know what I've been watching this week? This week I've been watching Bandersnatch. So I know this is like old news for everybody. Uh, but I only had one, uh, like run in with Bandersnatch a long time ago. And it was like a, with a group of friends and I was not controlling what was happening. So Bandersnatch, if you don't know, it's, um, the black, it's a black mirror movie. That is a choose your own adventure movie. It won a bunch of awards. It's super cool. But like, like I said, the only time I ever did it, it was with like a group of people. I wasn't controlling it. And uh, I got really into it the other night. And um, I, I'm just, I'm a big fan of Black Mirror. And I'm a, a really big fan of uh, the guy. I think he plays Silas. He plays like the, like, savant computer programmer, uh, video game maker with like the blonde spiky, spiky hair and the glasses. I can't remember what else I've seen him in, but I've seen him in a lot of other things. And he's just like, I'm such a big fan of him. And um, I had such a fun time the last few nights uh, doing that because like, if you do it by yourself, you can choose an option. And if you like pause it and rewind, you can go back and choose the other option. Cause like there's one specific moment in Bandersnatch where you choose an option that seems totally like a no-brainer like yes that's what i think the main character would want and uh the other main character goes wrong path mate and like taps you on the shoulder and then like it just like the, the it just goes on and like i was like well that's a sign so like i went back and chose the other path i don't know i think it's it's so fun and uh it's it's so meta because like the main character feels like he's not controlling his destiny and feels like somebody else is controlling him and you're the one who's controlling him. And there's, it's just, I think it's brilliant. It's so fun. And uh, I guess I did not have enough fun with it when it first came out, but I'm having fun with it now. The Bandersnatch, the Bandersnatch, <laughs> Bandersnatch. is fantastic. I feel like it's like the, the culmination of choose your own adventure writing yeah, and I feel it, like it's, it's such a cool. shame that I have not seen like that's it's been a few years since that came out and it won so many awards. Like why has nobody else done this on Netflix? Like I had so much fun choosing the different paths and seeing how different things played out. I just th I I feel like it's a wasted opportunity that pe more people aren't doing it. But you're right. Anyway, 
Israel, what have you been watching this week? Well, this week I have been watching something that's sort of a follow-up on our previous episode because H. John Benjamin was in it. Okay. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta see more. I've been watching People of Earth. People of Earth is a show that was unjustly canceled before its time. But what there is that exists is pretty great. And that is, of course, two seasons. It is extremely funny. Please go watch it. And may I don't know, maybe if enough people watch it, they'll go ahead and finish it and do that third season. Maybe not. Maybe you'll just look up on Reddit what some of those third season episode plots might be after watching two seasons of a cool show. What did it air on? Uh, TBS. Okay. It was on, it was on TBS. And I think TBS has some explaining to do after right. canceling wrecked. And I'm sure you're right. upset that they canceled people of earth. I haven't seen it yet. For sure. But... One of the producers of people of earth was Greg Daniels. Oh, who pretty famous for making the American <laughs> office. Yeah. Also doing some work on The Simpsons and SNL and Parks and Rec and King of the Hill. So, All of good course, things. he was making a fantastic show. But, like I said, canceled before its time. But H. John Benjamin research got me into it, and I was just loving it. And I and it's I love it. Is it's it, on Hulu. You can watch it on Hulu. Okay, so it, is it live action, H. Yeah. John Benjamin? Yeah. Okay, nice. I loved seeing him live action in a... Important things with Demetri Martin. And that was like the last thing I'd seen him in. That was live action. Heck yeah. Well, I think that wraps us up here for this week on the TV Boys. I've loved talking about Seth MacFarlane for not the first, second, but, <laughs> but third the- time. <laughs> it's been a it's been it's been a good it's been a good app. Uh, I've loved talking about some upcoming TV news and what we've been watching this week. Uh, if you are still here, if you're still under the thrall of my voice, I want to say two things. And that first one is thank you. I Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you could do one other thing, that's the second thing I have to say. If you could share the show with someone, I'd love it. That would be fantastic. If you want to talk to us about any of the shows we talked about, if you want to talk to us about Seth MacFarlane, if you disagree with something we said, if you super agree with something we said, either way, no matter what, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to talk to Thomas about Warhammer. If you want to talk to Thomas about Warhammer. He would be so psyched about that. (laughs) He would flip his lid over finally someone caring about Warhammer along with him. You can reach out to Thomas. You can reach out to all of us at the TV boys on Twitter and the TV boys pod on Instagram. We would love to hear from you guys have anything else you gotta get off your chest before we before we bounce if somebody wants to walk me through like spend half a day walking me through how to play the game i would be more than grateful (laughs) (laughs) yeah thomas the warhammer fan would love to learn Warhammer. Uh, i love talking to you guys i've been izzy who else we got here I've been Thomas. And I'm Johnny. (laughs) And if you could do one last thing for us, and that would, of course, be go ahead 
and watch another episode and we will talk to you next week that was so t- I'm calling it do over do it do it again you do get it better. what you get do it. you don't throw a fit Izzy you what was that that was